0: infertility sucks today's guest pradipa narayana swami that's what she says she's a fertility coach and she is sharing her story including feeling shame over infertility blaming god and even avoiding loved ones not gonna lie this one hits pretty close to home and we're excited to share it with you the legendary marriage podcast begins now If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast.
1: Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions.
0: So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together.
1: And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Hello there, Legendary Marriage family. This is Danielle and Justin, and you find yourself in episode 95 today.
0: And whether you've been listening for a long time or this is your first time, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, we've got just a couple announcements before we dive into today's show. If you aren't a part of our community on Facebook, Check it out. Do it! We have great conversations, encouraging stories, and some great first dibs opportunities coming up this month in September. Just the dibs. (laughs) Oh, speaking of which, if you leave a review on iTunes this month, September 2018, you could win a prize! Reviews are so important to us. They help us know how we're doing. They help the show rank better in searches, which means... More couples find us, they listen, they have conversations that matter, and they build stronger marriages. And we get to welcome them into the family. So, we want you to be a part of our mission to help couples build a legendary marriage. Just leave a review and then comment on the reviews thread in our Facebook group. We will draw one lucky winner each week in September for cash and prizes. Mm -hmm. But this only works if you're a member of our community on Facebook. So, jump in there and find us legendarymarriage.com slash community. I'll take you right in there.
0: All right. Question. Can I put in there a review that says your podcast voice is sexy?
1: Uh, You can.
0: Can I win cash and prizes? <laughs>
1: I'll give you more than cash and prizes, baby. Ooh.
0: All right. anyway, so we are on ne- episode 95 and today's guest is fertility coach Pradipa Narayana Swami. and she is sharing her reflections on her own 11 year struggle with infertility and how now she's helping other couples uh, through their fertility battles, and making their journey suck a little less. I love that. That is her tagline. I know you do. And every time I say and it, I love this it interview, makes me happy.
1: I, because like that phrase comes out several times and like I just like I can feel the giddiness in you every time well, you guys are talking about this.
0: because it does suck and to have somebody along the journey that helps it suck a little less um, I feel like she's she's a kindred spirit. And she's got a great story to share. So let's get to it. All right. We are so happy to have Pradeepa Narayana Swami on the show today. She is a fertility coach, which is something that is always hits home with us. And yes. she is just really wanting to help couples to help their infertility journey suck a little bit less.
2: Welcome to the show, Pradeepa. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much, Danielle. And thank you so much, Justin, for having me on today. Um yes. I
0: love your tagline of making infertility suck less. <laughs> 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 because It's so true. Justin yeah. and I have have um, been through our infertility journey and I feel like we still live some of it too. Uh, yeah,
1: I it, I don't think it's yeah. ever
0: over. No, for some reason. Um, it, it, it always, it's a with, part yeah. of our
1: defining narrative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, I, it kind of is. So Pradeepa, how long have y'all been married and
2: tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, I've been married this come September, it'll be 18 years. Um, and, uh, married to this wonderful man. And, uh, my journey with infertility was also long and really painful. And it sucked. That's why the word, I mean, I cannot capture it any more concisely than the word suck. Uh, It sucked a lot for me. It was so dark and painful. It was so annoying. It was so irritating. It was so frustrating. It was so, I was feeling so angry. I was feeling jealous. I was feeling ashamed. Uh, all sorts of emotions um, that can go along for that. I was fearful at some point. Uh, I was sad. Um, I got, you know, again, angry again. Uh, yeah. so it's like a cycle. They exactly. like just keep coming back and
0: exactly. punching you again. And then every, every once in a while, you have a little hope in
2: there or a little there joy. Is. And then the other stuff just comes in. Absolutely. In every time I go for it. So it, it was... My journey lasted um, for almost like 11 and a half years. Wow.
3: That
2: was a long time to be in that cycle, feeling through emotions like this, like ups and downs, and ups and downs, and ups and downs. This is an analogy that I use with people. Um, Every time, you know, when we go on for a treatment, my hopes, I'm a pretty optimistic person in general, as, as a, in nature as well. So every time when I go for these treatments, I, you know, like I get super excited, I get my hopes up, like, like this is it, this is it. Like fingers crossed, I can't even do this anymore, any more tired than this, right? <laughs> this is it, this is my time, please. Uh, God, everybody else who can give me this superpower, give me this one time yeah. uh, where I'll get pregnant, where, no, this is my chance. Uh, and it always felt like, you know, every time when I go on a treatment with this much hope, it was like I'm climbing the stairs for the 30th floor in this really tall building. And one lead to, and it didn't work out, one lead to fall down from the window face flat yeah. and get broken from the 30th floor for. Fortunately, I over and over again, over and over again. I didn't die. And you you willingly walk up those stairs every Every time, time. every time. And it's not easy. It was treacherous. It was dark. It was painful. Uh, But there was some hope in it because I was going up knowing that I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. But every time to find myself falling flat on my face from the window of the 30th floor to pick myself up again, the pieces, you know, that has, that has come out of me. I have to pick myself, put myself together, tape myself together. And Then I have to continue my journey again. I have to start walking. And you so, have to
0: do it quickly too. Three, you have yeah. to pick yourself up very quickly yeah. because there's always another test or another procedure or another just weeks away. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's not, it's not only it's not that It's normal, it's not any sort of normal grieving process because yeah. like if somebody, let's say if somebody dies or you lose a friend or something like that, there's no timeline about like, well, you're done now. You need to stop grieving and move on. But with infertility, I feel like it's always such an accelerated. Well, like, there's there's unique... two
1: storylines. I keep going to the story thing. There's two storylines. There's the we're trying to overcome this thing and have a child, and and you can look at that from kind of a macro view and say over the next nine months we're going to have a child, or over the next however long we're going to go through this journey. But with infertility, there's there's that picture, but then there's the about every four weeks picture.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: and so it's it it is it's it's the cycle uh, happens so quickly while you're in the middle of the. But big yet story. it feels
0: long when you're yeah. in it. It doesn't feel quick, but if you yeah. think about it now, it's really quick. Now I'm wondering when you guys first got married. What were kind of your ideas about what's your family gonna be like? What were your hopes and dreams as far as like, oh, we're gonna have a big family, or or
2: how did y'all grow up? Did you grow yeah. up with lots of brothers and sisters? And yeah. So just take before taking on that question, I do wanted to address one thing um, that I really want to share from your previous thoughts. It's not only it goes quickly with the infertility journey. But there is also this big factor that we often overlook is an age factor. You know, age is running out on people because since you have gone through this, I can freely tell. Like uh, after a certain age, even with fancy treatments and the golden standards like IVF, uh, in vitro fertilization for people who don't know what IVF is, that's the topmost treatment that you can get today to get pregnant. Those treatments, um, you know, success rates often fall down drastically after as a woman or a man if you if you've gone through certain age so there is that age factor that is also running out of you so it's not only the quick process where you have to take the opportunity while you're still young but you know uh, but you have to deal with all the emotions all the pains every time when you fall down from the 30th floor do you have time to pick yourself up do you have time to grieve for the for the you know, pregnancy that you just lost? Or did you have time to grieve for the treatment that didn't work, right? All those things. Uh, yeah, it is, uh, it, it, for me, it was like back to back to back eight times of IVF, just IVF alone. including donor cycles. So the last three were donor cycles. You know, our doctor suggested like, okay, we don't want to use your eggs anymore. Let's go and try somebody else's, more Mm. younger, healthier women. Uh, Not because I'm not healthy, but they couldn't find any issues. Yet I wasn't getting pregnant with my own uh, eggs. So there is that as well that comes into this picture. But nothing worked for me. Eight times, it was just going up to the 30th floor and only falling down face flat. Yeah. Um, so it was long and painful. Now going back to your question about like my my origin, I'm originally from India, uh, very specifically south of India from a city called Madurai, which is very, very famous for a really old, old temple called the Meenakshi Temple. Growing, growing up in India, I had a very different perspective of family and starting a family are people starting a family or having a family because our culture itself is very family-oriented. Majority of the time, <clears throat> you know, people live together. At least when we were growing up, when my, me, I have a younger brother, just me and my brother. When we were growing up, our grandparents stayed with us until they passed away. So it's, you know, we are kind of like very close-knit and we have all the relationships close to us. We visit them and things like that. So I have always seen people getting married and getting pregnant and having a child. Mm -hmm. And out of all the things that, you know, India is famous for and amazingly popular for, they're also popular for its population. Yeah. So to me, I have never ever naive. That was the naive factor in me. I've never ever thought that some people may not be able to have a child on their own. That Mm -hmm. never occurred to me. I have never seen anybody in my near family, uh, you know, struggling with infertility, at least to my knowledge. Yeah, because there's children everywhere. There is children everywhere. And everybody in my family who gets married has a child or two. So I thought like, that's what is supposed to happen, right? So when I got married, I got married in 2000. So when I got married, you know, I thought like, "Hmm, okay, so we'll have a child um, eventually, right, when we started trying. And it's supposed to happen. Like, it's supposed to happen. So that was my mindset coming into marriage and, you know, wanting to have a child. Um, So we never, my husband and I, we never really, I mean, I got married really early. I was 22 when I got married. So when I got married, it never even occurred to me in the slightest possible sense that it may be a challenging, a big challenging thing for me, in my personal life, in my marital life, I never, ever considered that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And when we got pregnant for the first time in 2006, yes, that was excited. It was exciting. It, it took a while for us, but we got there. Um, and it was very exciting. And what I didn't know about that at that time, again, there was this naiveness in me was... People cannot, people doesn't, if they get pregnant, doesn't mean that they are going to deliver the baby. Mm. So I miscarried um, 11 weeks or 12 weeks. So I miscarried the child and I, that was very hard. I was broken. I really didn't expect that. And it came to me, it came to me blindsided and like really pushed me down really hard. Really, really hard. It was it was really hard to get up from that. I was grieving for a while about that loss because it came to me so it was a while for us to get there. But then when it didn't stick, when the baby didn't stick, which I didn't expect, yeah. it, it took me by, it, it's not only by surprise, but it totally blindsided me. Now did
0: you have anybody or any sort of community that came around you in that time where you know they kind of knew where you were coming from or they were able to support you or how did that look like for you that first miscarriage
2: Yeah the first miscarriage at that time we kind of we got excited and we shared it with few family and few friends few family and few friends so, so but when we have to go back and tell them that nope, it's not going to go through, we, I miscarried. People offered their kind words and support and things like that, that yes, it was there, but I was still grieving. You know, I was not in a place to receive it. Right. You know, I was not ready to receive those words yet. But again, time and time passed. And it was just me who was naive about, this can happen maybe for the other people who are offering support. Oh, maybe they they might have experienced or they might have seen this in other people. So, okay, this is something that happens. Maybe it'll happen again, right? Maybe you'll get pregnant and you'll get, you'll carry the baby to the terms. So not much conversation uh, or support that originated from my first miscarriage, but then after I'm that-
0: wondering what words do you have? Cause I feel like this is something yeah. that we consistently hear is that when couples go through a miscarriage, like you said, there's like, maybe there's flowers or somebody makes you a meal or sends you a card or calls you and checks on you maybe for a week or so, which is great. Um, but the process yeah. from what I'm hearing for you is it's a lot longer than that. And it takes a lot more to process it than a week of meals and flowers. Like what words would you have for friends and family that are supporting a couple that's gone through a miscarriage?
3: Yeah.
2: If you are a friend or a family, allow the process of grieving to happen. Because, you know, sometimes everybody is different, everybody process their loss and grief very differently, and we just need to be patient to give them the time, and just because you have, you talk to them over a phone call a couple of times, or you're checking in on them every other day, sometimes I just, at that time, I appreciated the calls, especially from both my, from my in-laws and my, my, my parents, but I didn't want it to talk to anybody.
1: Yeah.
2: I didn't. I didn't want it to talk.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was such a sucky time. I just wanted to be left alone. Yeah, you know, leave me alone. I don't want it to talk right now. Yeah. yeah, and people don't often understand that it's all with good intentions with good heart that they wanted to make sure that you are doing okay. Sure. But also respecting and allowing some time for people to heal.
0: Yeah. 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 Now you, I I know you've, you've spoken to the fact that you've gone through lots of different treatments you've gone through IUI, you've gone through IVF, and um, how did you find that you and your husband related together through that time? Because I know Justin and I, we were very different in the way that we processed things. I mean, how was it for y'all? Yeah,
2: it was difficult. It was very difficult. Um, You know, my first miscarriage, I miscarried twice more. I had three miscarriages mm-hmm. uh, after that. I have two miscarriages after my first. And then my OBGYN decided like, okay, I'm not sure what's happening in your body. Maybe I should refer you to a fertility specialist. I was in Minneapolis back then at the time. Um, so we were curious, we didn't know what to expect. First time I heard something called you know, assisted reproduction because, huh? People can assist you with reproduction. I didn't know that. Seriously, I'm not from a medical field, and this was surprising for me. And the term fertility and infertility—that was the first time that I ever heard about it. Wow.
0: Um, I never wanted to say that. Those words, like I never wanted yeah. to say the word infertility or. I'm going to an infertility doctor. Like I felt like there was something in me that if I were going to go to have, you know, like you said, an assisted reproduction, like that somehow I was admitting failure. Like there is a real problem here. And apparently whatever, something isn't working here. I'm not, I'm broken or he's broken or something. And this is just totally messed up. And I feel like for a long time, I don't know how you felt about it, honey. You can weigh in here, but I felt like I dragged my feet for a long time because I just didn't want to admit that there was a real problem.
1: Yes. Yes, you did.
0: Yes, I did drag my feet. Yes. <laughs> and yes, there was a problem.
1: <laughs> yes. What am I weighing in on? Oh, no, than, no. Yeah, affirming you. Yes, yes, you did drag your feet.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it was just, I didn't want to be called a failure, I guess. <laughs> I didn't want to be a failure. I didn't want it to go on the record that I was a failure.
1: I think we touched on it a, a few minutes ago. It's The the expectation, having children is is one of the deepest longings in the human heart but it's more than that it's it is it's such a a part of the natural order regardless of of belief system or epistemology or or anything there is we just come into life expecting we're gonna it's gonna gonna work like that's how we
0: got here right (laughs) and
1: in many ways in our culture uh hoping that it doesn't work
0: Well, for a long time, like when you, you mean like when you're dating and when When you're you're newly married
1: around and, and all of that, you know, there's a certain amount of, gosh, I I hope we don't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so it's to, to come into this place of, of saying, wait, it's not just happening. I can, it, it really does. It's like hitting the central nervous system of shame.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's that's the word that I wanted to use. It's not the failure factor, right? Like I said, coming from India, where you know, amongst amazing things, India is known for. It's known for its population.
3: Yeah.
2: Where me, when I have to go for a specialist who can assist with my reproduction, there was a big shame in that. Mm. So when I was going through. All these treatments, I'll tell you how far I took the shame. All these treatments for almost eight and a half years, that's where all my treatments lasted. And then it took for me three years to get over that. Um, that's why I call it 11 and, half, 11 and a half years worth of my journey. So nobody knew about the treatments that we were going through except for my husband's mom, my parents. Me and my husband and our doctors. That's it. Mm. That's it. No friends. No friends, no family, no extended family, no colleagues, nobody. I kept it the best kept secret in my 11 years of journey, 11 and a half years of journey. Because what you just hit on, Justin, shame. There was so much shame that I was holding on to. Boy, it works for. Everybody, why not me? Like, why did you choose me to be this way, right? You know, if you can imagine some of those internet images where you have a person with a lot of these question marks on top of your head, that was me for 11 and a half years. Why me? Why not me? I mean, I'm not super spiritual in nature, but I do believe in a superior power than I am. And I was angry with God for... Sure close to four or five years. I never ever, we have a very small temple in my home. Never went there for four and a half years. I was angry. That's how I showed my anger. You know, know, I, I am looking to have something so nearly and dearly and I'm going after this. I'm not just, I'm trying here yet you're, you're, failing me me time, right? yeah. you're failing me every time, right? You're failing me every time, yeah. Right. So I was blaming it on God, right? I was blaming it on.
1: Which, by by the way, he can take it. Like, right? however, whatever your understanding of God is, and I'm I'm saying this to anybody who's listening,
0: yeah.
1: uh, whether whether you're Christian or or whatever the your concept is, he can take it. And yeah. like, if if he can't, what's the point?
2: Yeah. Right. So that's how I was expressing my shame and anger and frustration. And I even avoided going to India. That's where all my family, um, all my family is. I don't have a lot of family here. Um, Just have one, one cousin here. Um, That's it. I avoided going to India for four years in a row, Mm -hmm. giving all sorts of, pardon my language here, bullshit reasons why I can't go. Yeah. Because I was so afraid of the questions that I'm going to get. Oh, you've been married. Why are you? Why are you not having a child? Oh, you should have a child. Like, what's delaying? You shouldn't delay. You're getting old. Like questions like that. And then you, I, you just want to go ball your face off because, right. like,
1: or punch you, someone in the throat. <laughs>
0: Because you're like, you don't know. Why are you opening your mouth? Like, Why are I you mean,
1: inserting yourself into my sex life? Yo,
0: why do you have a say like, in this matter? And That, that is something s- that was so... Well, oh. cool. I know, like, you know, your family, it's like they want the best for you. And like your grandma's saying like, oh, I'd like you to have a little baby or whatever. And it's like, okay, of course, grandma, you want me to have a baby. But... Um, I can't tell you how many parties or work events or whatever I went to and then I would just lose it in the car yeah. Yeah. telling Justin, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so said. So, they, yeah. they said, oh, why don't you just relax and then you'll get pregnant or, you know, a doctor, the-
1: a <laughs> doctor said, a doctor
0: just said that just go
1: away for the weekend everything you, you'll be fine like Maybe I you and had, I... are you kidding me
0: i had a pastoral person tell me that i needed to eat more watermelon
1: yeah e- eat more water- you should water- eat some watermelon. more just eat like lots of watermelon
0: i'm like what what <laughs> what, what are you telling ta- yeah. stop please yeah. just stop please stop. like
1: bless your heart but please stop right now <laughs> Have you heard of this thing, like we've talked about this before, right? Uh, decision fatigue.
0: Oh my gosh, I have it every day. There's just too many decisions to make and I'm tired of it.
1: Like there's just so much going on in life. And like by the time I get home from work, this is where I make terrible decisions. Yeah. Like you're gone on a Saturday and then it comes time the girls are hungry for dinner.
0: Yeah. And you order pizza and wings.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much every Saturday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm aware.
1: Yeah. So um, there's, this whole idea of decision fatigue is very real. Like we make so many decisions every day and it's, you know, phones and media and advertising messages and we're constantly making these decisions and it just gets exhausting. And they, and so we get to this place of decision fatigue and indecision. It kills us. Mm-hmm. It kills relationships. It kills date nights. It kills to-do lists. It kills productivity and creativity and it kills fun and adventure.
0: What if we just had a fun and easy way to make decisions?
1: Oh my gosh! Speaking of which, <laughs> I found this great app called Indecision Coach. Woohoo! And they are uh, sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Love it. This is a fun little app, kind of like that. Remember that uh, uh, billiard ball shaped. Toy that we had when we were in.
0: Oh yes, it kids. would answer all my questions. Like you would questions. shake
1: it and ask a, ask a question, and an does answer he, would come up.
0: Does he like me? Yes. It was no? like a
1: magic sphere. <laughs> like you, <laughs> can you have. can't say what it was if you could no. do to trademark things. But um, so uh, humble forces created this great app called Indecision Coach, and it's it's two bucks on the app store, and it's so oh, fun. much fun. It is worth. It's worth twice that, but, um, so it's just a great little fun way to add some, some, some spice into making decisions. Like when you just come out, should we, should we go out to dinner or stay in?
0: All right. And
1: as I see it, yes, we should go out to dinner.
0: Ooh, let's go.
1: So we're going. All right. So it's super easy. You can go to indecisioncoach.com slash legendary and find out more and download it from the App Store.
0: Sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah, I feel like this will be a little bit of fun and adventure, especially to have with the kids, too. Yeah. You know, we used to do this during our childhood. Shake the ball, and, you know, they can shake the ball, too.
1: Yeah. Shake the phone. (laughs) Just don't drop the phone. Yeah. All right. So you can check it out at indecisioncoach.com slash legendary. That's indecisioncoach.com slash legendary.
0: And now back to the show. We're talking about helping couples navigate infertility so that it sucks less. Yes. Um, So tell us a little bit about, I know you kind of talk about how women and men, like if you're in, you know, you're in a married relationship, it's obviously affecting your marriage for sure. like, For us, it was like Justin was honestly—he was the most supportive husband I could have ever asked for. He went to every test with me. He went. I mean, how do you know that? I'm just, I'm just going out on a limb here and saying it was amazing. I'm just (laughs) wondering
1: if you've compared notes or anything.
0: No, stop. He went to every test with me, every doctor's appointment, every like. He knew all the things. He gave me, he was with me when I did my shots. He was like he was with me the every single step of the way and the doctors would always marvel like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you took time off work to come in and get your ultrasound with you or whatever." And I'm like And sometimes you're in there like four, five, six times a month. Like you're yeah. there all you feel like you never leave the doctor's office
1: and it's usually not like stopping by the grocery store for a gallon of milk on the way home
0: no it's very involved and it takes forever and you have to pay like a million dollars every time you leave um but how do men and
2: women kind of go at it differently Yeah. so yes that's that's a great question and uh, you know you're Justin is amazing the way that, you know, you went to all the treatments and, you know, everything it's to me, this is how I see it. Fertility, fertility journey is not just the women's journey. It's a partnership, especially if you're married, right? And I have clients, you know, I go and talk to doctors and clinics to talk about like what I'm doing and how I can partner up so that I can help their patients. Many of them come out and some of the nurses and other people tell like, Deepa, do you know how many times the women just come here all by herself and not just even maybe the husband shows up for their first appointment and I never see the husband back again until he may have to come back and give the specimen on the transfer day or something like that on the retrieval day. Sorry. Um, and I don't see them. And the women always comes by herself. You know, she's taking up on all these things. So my husband was like you, he was very supportive. He, whenever I asked him to come or whenever, you know, like, uh, he, he will come. He, he was the one who was giving me all the shots and things like that. Right. So he was very involved in the journey. Um, But not everybody is. And uh, but even though he was involved in the journey, we had our fair share of, uh, you know, with all the losses that I was going through, with all the failures that I was going through. I was on my own island and he was on his own island. That's how we were, at least, you know, like uh, even though he was coming, we were just, you know, I, now I'm retrospecting back. Now I'm looking back like, boy, he was there. Sometimes I really fail to see that, um, yeah. you know, because I was going through and I was processing all these emotions and fears and this hopes and this hopelessness and this desperation separately. I failed to see what he was going through. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really wanted to talk about here is uh, men go through this very differently than the women. You know, oftentimes in my personal experience and the people that I've been coaching and I've been talking to, they all kind of um, attribute to that is oftentimes when when you're going through treatments and, for example, if it doesn't succeed, many people come and especially if it's known with your family and friends, people ask about like, how is your wife doing? How is the women doing in this relationship mm. to the man? And what they don't ask is, how are you doing, Justin? I'm just using you because, you know, you're yeah. here. Yeah. So how are you doing? Did you find that to be true? Oh, yeah. Nobody asks yeah. about I, or I mean, cares about the man here.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I've got my circle of guys. Yeah. And within that small circle of maybe three other guys, we would have some conversations. But other than that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of tricky too, because it's like, um, and I will own this fact is like part of the, like a hundred percent of the infertility stuff that was going on was in, was in my body. It wasn't anything that was going on with Justin. So I felt like I was owning the whole biological aspect of like, my body is not functioning correctly. It is the one that is failing here. And you're, you're doing, you're doing great. Yeah.
2: You're That's fine. our myopic view. I, I
1: just, I can't be with, I have a hard time being with that statement. What yeah. do you mean? Uh, just because I think the, the, the premise, again, regardless of, of faith or belief, the premise of marriage is two people as one, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: completely.
0: Yeah. C- so so to, my bodily failure is your bodily failure too. Is that what you're saying? Uh,
1: I I just, I don't know. I just don't, it's hard to hear you say that. Even now, I mean, years and years later, it's hard to hear you say that.
0: Well, I have uh, tests and lab results and ultrasounds that prove that it's true. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but all the diagnoses had my name up at the top of them. Um, uh, I'm not trying to rob yeah. you of No, that. no, 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 uh, no. I'm not trying to be a <laughs> martyr or anything, but I'm just saying that um I yeah, I know that you were going through um more the emotional stuff where I was doing the emotional and the physical mm. healing stuff too. But what what do you wish people would have or friends or family would do to support men? in the infertility journey? Like, what do you think was missing that could have been there?
1: Uh, I don't know. I think, like I said, I have, I have a very tight circle of supportive guys, like three guys who like come hell or high water were, are in it together. And so that was, that was my, that was my place.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. So I felt really supportive there. Yeah. But I, I think it really is you know, the way guys process things, stereotypically, the way guys process things is a little bit different. Yeah. So it was, you know, Ryan and I'd go to a movie or, you know, go do do something. Yeah. And, you know. We, to kind of just be move, there with you. We, we tend to move through the shared activity and then and then the the intimate kind of conversation, the personal kind of conversation is tiny moments throughout it or it happens in the last like five minutes
0: before you have to leave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's not we'll frame it like try to take your mind off of it. But that's right. not that's not what we're really doing. Yeah. It's not what we're really doing.
0: That's interesting that you said that they're trying to keep their mind off of it, but it's like if you do just not, if you totally avoid it, then that's not necessarily helpful. Mm-hmm. But you said it was kind of a guys. Yeah. yeah. G-U-Y-G-U-I-S-E. <laughs> guys. Yes. guy Guys with the guys.
1: <laughs> yes. You're starting to confuse me.
0: <laughs> okay. So Pradeepa, rail said back here. Okay. So the men and women in your experience, they
2: process it differently. Tell us We are very myopic in nature, even though you are the one or I am the one who is going through a lot of the treatments, the procedures, uh, um, the injections and things like that. So we think it's our thing. And that's how I was. I'm just looking back and sharing. Now, I've moved on from that. So I'm able to look back and look at that Pradeepa back then. That's how I was. I was on my own shelf, right? I was on my own island, You know, I never even looked at my husband. I never even cared to ask him, like, how are you doing? Because Mm -hmm. like you said, Justin, men process this very differently. I talk to men as well. I work with both women, men, and couples, Mm -hmm. you know, because men need support too. Men need support as well because oftentimes they have two different uh, responsibilities during the fertility journey. One is... They're also going through the loss and the challenges and the suckiness by themselves. And number two, and they have to process that somehow. And oftentimes, men doesn't have a good system. And there is this male ego, this male pride. They may not want to admit to people, uh, even though if it's their very close friends. There is that. I've talked to many men who had openly said that to me. Sure. why, Why don't you come to me for help? oh, you know, Pradeepa, I'll gladly send my wife. But for me, you know, I don't want it to air my dirty laundry with anybody.
1: For me, I, I think underneath that, there's this, like men have this propensity for action yeah. to solve problems, to make things better and, and exactly. to, to watch, to be a part of it and hurt myself. And then I'm hurting for uh, Danielle because I, there's nothing I can do.
2: Exactly. There is that frustration. There's
1: absolutely I, nothing I can do. And, and also, so it, if you it, say it really, it really um, it pushes against, it challenges a man's identity, his sense right. of self.
2: Yeah. Um, in self worth.
1: Self worth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I, I completely hear you because that's something, uh, Danielle, that women does not see in her man, especially at that time. You know, they're also going through this and they're going through this very deeply. And they also, many men are problem solvers, caretakers. They are the, you know, like, you know, right from the, you know, like age old days, you know, men take care of their family, right? You know, that's how we were raised. That's how we know it. So they wanted to take care of their partner here.
3: Mm -hmm. Yet
2: they are either ignoring or struggling to figure out I have to take care of Danielle now you know I have a big responsibility there because I'm seeing her visibly struggling through this yet I'm also going through something that's deep and emotional and it's really sucky for me how am I going to process this often oftentimes men tend to ignore this their personal self taking care of their personal self that's why you know like I'm I'm envisioning a blog called like sweeping it under the rug. You know, like sweeping it under the rug. You sweep it you, yeah. sweep it, you sweep it, you sweep it, you sweep it. And eventually when you open the rug, it's going to be dirty, rotten, pretty smelly. And it's just going to come out whether you like it or not. And its I'll tell you, it's going to be extremely, extremely unpleasant. Yeah. Well, it comes to- I was going to say like, I'm sure a thought
0: Justin probably had was like, obviously I'm his go-to person to like process emotions with and vice versa. And if he were to come to me and say, well, I'm really having trouble processing this. There might be a voice that says, I'm going to say what you, you're having trouble processing this. Like, this isn't about you here. Like this is, this is my deal. Right. And you know, you know. Did you ever have that? Those kind of thoughts that, like, if I share my struggling with Danielle, sure. I, she's it, not it's, gonna is not gonna register.
1: Sure, and and I think it, we see it in this area of, of the idea of fertility uh, because it is so deeply personal. It's 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 just part of the nature of humanity to reproduce, and so when we come to that challenge point, it it opens this raw nerve. Um, but I think it's the case in any area where. Uh, where a couple hits, where you hit a wall,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? You're feeling your feelings, yeah, and and I'm feeling mine, and then we're feeling ours, and it's impacting our relationship, and and isolation, division between us is what's trying to happen mm-hmm. in a big way, and so it's why why we talk about constantly having community men having community with men women having community with women and couples having other couples as a part of that support network because you you there are times when you just can't see past your own pain
3: exactly
1: to be able to stand for for someone else and stand in it with them
0: yes women and men are processing this so differently i feel like justin and i could like you know, probably write our own podcast about just this topic. But, um, so what suggestions as a fertility coach, do you have for couples that are on the fertility journey so that it can
2: suck a little bit less? Yeah. Um, it's, it's wonderful that you asked. I actually recently wrote a blog about this. It's called the invisible wall. Um, because there is this invisible wall that builds between the couple, you know, it's, it's, it's about the relationship, right? It's not just about the man or not just about the women. It's that thread that unites them, right? The rope that unites them. Um, so I'll share the link with you. Perhaps you can share it with your listeners. But I'll, give, I'll, show, uh, I'll share a few of the tips from that blog, actually. Um, one is, as a woman, you know, I'm, it's, it's a sucky journey. You know, and you as a woman go through a lot. We as a women go through a lot in this. And nevertheless, it's always good to take a pause and really check in with your husband, with your partner. You know, how are you doing? Because one of my, one of my client, when she checked in with the same question with her partner on Father's Day, um, how are you doing today? And she had never seen him broken like that before. He just broke. He just started tearing, tearing up. Like she got like, whoa, like there was so much emotions. There was so much you know, unprocessed feelings that just kind of came out of the gentleman um, that she wasn't like really expecting. Um, so check in with your partner. And that's a big responsibility. Shame on me. I didn't do that when I was going through this. But now I'm on the other side. I have seen the light at the end of the tunnel. So when I'm looking back, I should have checked in with my husband more often. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, they process the loss they're not just going to sit and cry and shut up the room and similar, some typical ways of women processing it, right? We process it differently. So check in with them on how they're doing. That's going to bring you closer to your husband. You know, um, if they talk fine, if they don't talk, that's even fine. Just sit with them, Yeah. you know, just sit with them, just be with them, you know, be with them in silence, and just I'm here for you. You're here for me. And we you know are. what? That's interesting
0: too. Like just being able, as the woman, to just focus solely on your husband in that aspect of it, and not have it be anything about you. Do you absolutely. Which, which I think is very challenging to manage yourself in that way because you know you're going through all that. Yeah. And to be able to check in, do a check in with your husband and have it all be about him is really healthy for the relationship, Yeah, but absolutely. challenging nonetheless, because right. you have your whole other ball of absolutely going on this side of the wall. And I think yeah. that's
1: why, that's why it's so wise to, to work with somebody like Pradeepa or a coach, a coach, uh, because you, you just, you need someone to be a part of that to help make the conversation safe and courageous.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. That's my motivation to start working with couples, um, Justin. I've been doing a research on my side uh, a lot these days on um, how infertility is, um, you know, how infertility and divorce rates are connected. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I have to report the percentage is growing big and big and big. Lot of people who are going through infertility challenges, married couples, they are either separating or they are getting divorced, not because they are not able to have a child, not because of the outcome, Mm -hmm. majority of the time. It's because of the relationship challenges that creeps between them so soon. It's had a big spotlight on the relationship aspect and they are not able to take care of that. We were not taught these skills while growing up, unfortunately. Yeah. So when it comes, when it hits you hard like this, you, st- you built this wall, like I just said, this invisible wall, which is very tall and very th- strong. Well, so
0: and hard. also too, I think that like, I know Pradeepa, you all ended up adopting a sweet little boy. And like, we have two little girls and, you know, I I don't think that the infertility journey is over when you have, like, if you're able to have children eventually. Like, it's always part of your story somehow. And like you said, the reason people are getting divorced isn't because they're unable to have a child. They've developed all these you know, they, they don't communicate anymore. They don't have sex anymore. They don't, you know, whatever the things are, it gets kind of entrenched. Yeah. And yeah. we, we found for quite a while that we kind of had the infertility hangover. Mm, yeah. um,
2: the intimacy and uh the love and the passion is lost because, you know, like it's having, sex is not a, it's, having sex is not a pleasure anymore. It's not right. neutral. It's robotic in nature. Like, oh, you have to do it at this time, at this. It yeah. sucks. And yeah.
1: for sucks. anybody who's ever made the joke, well, at least you get to have fun trying. But, <laughs> I'd like to just punch him in the throat.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned something like, you know, things that you don't tell people going through infertility. I actually wrote a blog recently about that. 20 things you don't tell people going through infertility. And one of them, I think we might have a, a doctor that are that has similar thoughts, or I was wondering, like, oh, my God, did we see the same doctor? My doctor said, like, Pradeepa, just have a glass of wine and relax. It'll happen. Mm, get I don't drunk. Drink, yep, get I've heard, don't I've heard that. I've heard and that. I've heard that. Get drink, drunk. Yeah. Yep, I've heard to get drunk. I don't drink wine, and it, it didn't happen for me. <laughs> so... You're like, if it's going to happen, I will chug
0: this whole bottle of wine. I don't care. Yeah. I'll share that link with you for your...
2: You
3: know, yeah. for your oh, yeah, please, please
0: do. Oh my gosh, Pradipa, I feel like we could just go on this subject all day long. And yes. we are definitely going to include the links to all those, the blogs and Pradeepa's website. And Pradeepa has been on a lot of other podcasts and such. So... That's all on her website. So we'll send you there and you can definitely see what she is up to. She's got a lot of amazing resources for you. Pradeepa, thanks so much for being on the show. This was a distinct pleasure. And I feel like we've
2: just uh, touched the surface here. Thank you so much. I I, I really appreciate the conversation today and for both of you sharing your journey as well.
0: Okay, so no matter what the road ahead, you're doing it together. Yes. And you get stuck in your own perspective. So here is the Talk About It.
1: And now the Talk About It segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters.
0: I hope people love your podcast voice. I hope
1: they enjoy it. Uh, If not, I I mean, I do it just for myself. I know. I know that most people are laughing at me, not with me.
0: Mm, Probably. All right. right, So here's your conversation starter. Whatever struggle or victory you're facing, um, you kind of are getting stuck in your own head about it. Ask your spouse about their perspective on the issue you're facing and how they're feeling about it.
1: And just listen. Just flip it. Yeah.
0: All right, so next week we are talking to Jerry Ann Weisbrook, and she will be sharing how she and her husband came back from a 10-year period of being on the brink of divorce
1: Whoa. and
0: now being in love more than ever. Man, she is just... Talk some- about a comeback story. I know. She is someone with the tenacity to fight for everything she wants, and she just wasn't ready to stop fighting for her love. So let's listen into a bit of our conversation with Jerry Ann Weisbrook.
3: And honestly, like I just hated him. And I think, I think you don't hate somebody if you don't love them too. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you don't get into those kinds of fights. And I mean, we, I tell you, Danielle, this is the kind of fight that we would get into. Um, so we were in an empty house at the time. And we're at our kitchen table and next to our kitchen table as a lot of houses are, there's a window that looks out onto our back sidewalk. And our son was coming in the back way and it was raining. It was cold. and It's just a crappy night, you know? And he looked inside and he saw my face talking to my husband and he just kept walking. He would rather stand outside in the cold in the rain than coming to the house. It should have been his refuge. and mm. should have been a safe place. I mean, those kinds of fights where they were visible and the anger in the house was palpable for years. I don't even really want to think about what we did to our kids.
0: So you'll find that she not only fights for the health of her family, but for the community around her, including a special place she has in her heart for military families. So make sure you listen in next week to our interview with Jerry Ann Wiesbrook.
1: All right, that's it for today's show. As always, we're talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at slash community.
0: And you can find this episode and the show notes at slash zero nine five.
1: Thanks for listening in to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast.
0: This is Danielle and Justin reminding you
1: don't settle for an ordinary marriage.
0: Make your legendary.